0: Welcome to the Courageous Recovery Broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 25 to 30-minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm so glad that you're here today. My guest, Jill, is just just. A powerful story, and and she just has a lot of passion, and and you're going to be blown away by just her knowledge and 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 the passion that she has. It is always good to see that we have people joining this broadcast literally from coast to coast here in North America. At last count, we we had listeners in almost 30 countries, and depending on how you're watching or listening to this, if if there's an area for you to subscribe, please hit subscribe or. Leave comments in the comment sections because we hugely value your feedback and and would love to to hear your comments as far as okay I have this question or or I love this or whatever that might be. For more information on the work that, that God has me doing, you can go to my website. It's randymortenson dot com. That's Randy last name Mortenson M O R T E N S E N. And there you'll also find a 21-point assessment that's a tool to determine whether you or a loved one might qualify for one of my programs called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. So, Jill, I'm so eager to have our listeners uh, have the opportunity to hear your story and where, where God has you today. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here.
0: And and from the great from the great state of New York upstate uh, is is where is where you reside. So anybody that's listened to this before knows that my usual first question is, what is there that you know today that you wish your 22 year old self would have known?
1: (laughs) I guess the way I would answer that question is to prepare my 22 year old self for the seasons of life. My 22-year-old self did not look at the world through the goggles that I obviously see through now. And I think at that time, I saw life one way, the way that I was perceiving it to go, and I quickly learned that it wasn't going to go my way and that life was going to be a constant uh, change of seasons, if you will. And so I would prepare myself for, you know, the ups and downs and beginnings and endings that were about to ensue.
0: And how, how how would have you done that?
1: Yeah, how would you prepare? I guess. I guess it would come back down to having more faith at that time. I think my twenty two year old self was probably a little more invincible than I am now, and you know thought that I was ready to conquer the world and I wasn't in touch with that faith and inner knowing I probably had as little Jill to know that in the end everything would work itself out all right, and it took me you know going through some seasons to get back to that place for sure
0: okay no that that's that's a great. That's a lot of wisdom. You know, you you you've been a teacher now for twenty plus years, I think you've you've shared, right? Yes,
1: an um, elementary school teacher.
0: Yeah. An elementary school teacher. Interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: So so let's take let's let's turn the calendar back to, to when Jill was in elementary school. And then take take the take the listeners through your journey into the teen years and into your twenties. Let's let's uh let's paint the picture for him, if you would, please.
1: I am actually an elementary school teacher in the school district that I was raised in as a child. And actually when I got hired, I got hired in the exact elementary school teacher that I went to as a child that is actually mentioned in my book and was a big part of my life. And I got to work alongside some of the very teachers who were still there that were part of my journey as a child. So when we go back to my early childhood, um, unfortunately, I came from a very broken home. By broken home, I had parents who divorced very early. Um, my mother remarried to somebody who was extremely violent, and I saw a lot of domestic violence as a child. And that's basically where my story begins. Um, a lot of adversity throughout life. Luckily for me, I had some amazing teachers in my life. One in particular, who made um, quite an impact on me, and is the reason that I grew up and became a teacher myself, because school for me at that age was a safe haven. It was a place where I could go to and forget about all of the trouble that I was witnessing in my home. Um, I had a voice, I was seen and heard, not by everybody who was in that building, but by a couple teachers in particular. And I think it was the gift of that attention from that teacher who really did value what I had to say and, and really did want to hear from me that I, I realized, wow, somebody is interested in what I had to offer, and wow, I am smart, and I am capable, and it was that, um, that push and that shove there in elementary school that kind of helped give me what I needed, I guess, at that time, what I was lacking from my family, and so I went through school. Um, I won't say that it was a a lovely journey because I had a rough adolescence because I came from that broken home where there was no consistency and no real boundaries um, happening. And to the point that I ended up emancipating myself from my parents when I was about 14 years old. I had had a very on and off relationship with them. They were both severe alcoholics, Um, they were both incapable of taking care of us children the way that we needed to be. But luckily, I had a grandmother in my life who was a constant. So um, I emancipated myself from my parents and moved in with her. And that was both a blessing and a curse because to this point, she had been my grandmother, you know, and I loved her and we had this wonderful relationship. But now she was becoming the parent to an adolescent who you know? Obviously, I was trying to figure out who I was. I didn't really have the world's best role models, and so I was you know um, trying things and pushing the limits as a teenager. But I made it through that that era nonetheless, and um, came out the other side and ended up, even though I had a rocky adolescence spent two years in the seventh grade, actually, because that year was probably the roughest year of my life. I ended up turning all of that around and and doing pretty decent through high school and then putting myself through college and becoming a teacher. So um, despite those adversities, um, you know, I I kind of ended up making it to the other side, thankfully.
0: That's a powerful, powerful story. Thank you for sharing it to the extent that you did, because the 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 psychological negatives that you that you had just thank God for that teacher who who really stood by you and yeah. so so here's the, here's the burning question in my mind have you been that teacher then in the last 20 years for that young boy or that young girl that's maybe going through what you you went through
1: great question i think Absolutely. And it's wow. funny because there are a couple of times when I've had to um, move teaching positions where I it was a choice that I didn't make, where I kind of had to do it. One of those was obviously the COVID year when that struck. But even before that, a couple of times I found myself moving to a grade level or such that I didn't pick or want to go to. But when I got there <clears throat> and met the children in the classroom, I was affirmed that there was somebody there that Needed me that year. That and and you know, teachers grow from their students just as much as those students grow from teachers. And I can honestly say, in every year of my twenty-three years of teaching, there has been a situation where a child and I have connected on that level, where I can just say to myself, "Boy, did we need each other!"
0: Well done. That that, is, Thank that you. It, it, it is such a great story that you went back to teach in teach in that same school that had such a huge impact on you i mean that's that,
1: amazing. that's amazing it's a, a, a great a small opportunity. percentage yeah. of
0: people that, that that would ever say that i'm guessing i don't know right. that for a fact but that would be my guess right, right. wow wow and such
1: an opportunity
0: so then so then i think you also said that your hubby of of many years uh, was was your middle school sweetheart even yeah. is that what yeah. you
1: said yeah, so we so in in that rocky, crazy adolescence that I spoke of, I di- met my husband who actually lived down the street from my grandmother. We started dating um, early on. We didn't get married until much later on, but we've been together for well over thirty years and married for twenty two. So uh, he's been part of the picture for a long time, and he's another one of those constants, one of those cheerleaders that I've had by my side, thankfully. Um I like to call him an angel sent. I have a few spiritual angels who are part of my life who I'm definitely blessed to have had by my side for a lot of what I went through. So
0: in in how how was his upbringing? I'm just curious. Um
1: he also had parents who got divorced later on when um he was a teenager, but they were both very loving parents and both okay. parents who made their children priorities. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. But but you two are such a great match having endured what, what you have, no, no question. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, so so let's go then into university or into college. Were, were you part of the party lifestyle and, and and so on or not?
1: I think I had it out of my system. I think I took care of most of that stuff in high school. So when I got to college it was funny, most of the people that we were meeting were just exploring for their first time. And I was kind of like, yeah, I got this out of my system. I think I'm I'm okay. My husband at that time went away into the army for a couple of years. So I got real serious in college and really worked on my grades and in and, and doing well. I went to a two-year school first and uh, t- turned that then turned that degree into a four-year degree and pretty much got hired right out of, um, my four years of schooling. So I was working a full-time job um, and going to school for my master's. And then I became pregnant with my first daughter. So that was, it was a lot, a lot going on there when I first started my career out. But of course I wouldn't change it for anything. It all worked out exactly as it was supposed to.
0: Yeah, I i I, w- I will tell you that you not having a party life in, in college was was not what I was expecting you to say.
1: Definitely. But but if you think about it, that's kind of sad and exciting at the same time, because, yes, I had it out of my system. So unlike many of my friends who went to college and kind of wasted away some semesters and didn't take their grades or all the money that it took to get them there seriously. Sadly, I had done all of those exploratory things at a much younger age because I was like a grown up at the age of 13, you know, and, and all of my exploring was more like from 13 to 18. So, so while I'm happy that I was able to take university seriously, sadly, it was because I had done a lot of partying and experimenting in my earlier years.
0: Yeah, I, sadly, I was one of those guys that you described because, because, um, I to to this day contend I went to college to play baseball, drink beer, and chase women. That's why I went to college. That's not. I mean, anybody listening to this, that is not a good answer.
1: You know, I mean? but not for me, you go. You,
0: you you had grown to the point now of knowing, you know, you you had, you had prepared yourself for that, and having your loving boyfriend, fiance, husband, whatever, uh, by your side to, to, to see what you both have gone through. I mean, that's just a huge blessing. It really is. So what was the motivation then for your book? And when, I I don't know the exact time when, so, so the book folks is titled when the apple falls far from the tree and in what, what was the motivation there?
1: All right. So I didn't mention that shortly after, well, not shortly after, but after having my daughters, um, I ended up being diagnosed with a rare cancer that I went through. Um, And I want to say that when I went, this was nine years ago now, when I first was diagnosed, um, I was already drinking and I, I was... I, I let me back up here actually. Okay, so I had come from these parents who were a long line of alcoholics. My mother actually drank herself to death, literally, liter- liver cirrhosis. Her 60, um, 64, 65 year old sister also drank herself to death. My father um, is now. 30 plus years sober, but at that time, he was also a raging alcoholic. And I, again, I was very estranged from my parents on and off, mostly my mother, um, but my father too at times. So I get diagnosed with this rare cancer. And at the same time, lots of other things were happening in my life. Like I got moved to another position in in the school that I didn't want to stay at. And I noticed that my drinking started um, escalating. And uh, it got to the point where um, I realized I was kind of slowly turning into my parents. I kept telling myself that it wasn't the same because they they were like the um, raging alcoholics where they would either get violent or one would be crying. And I was just the good time drinker. You know, I would drink and everybody would love me. I would be singing karaoke and I would be entertaining and I would be the last person in the house. And so I kept telling myself that it wasn't a problem. But then I started realizing that over the course of the years, my cancer and this change in position, that I was just turning to alcohol more and more and more. And obviously, as that was happening, I was suppressing Jill more and more and more, and I was losing touch with myself. So three years ago, I had a girlfriend, a best friend who said to me, hey, I'm reading this book. And boy, does this lady remind me of you. And the book was called A Happier Hour by Rebecca Weller. And it was about her sobriety journey. So I grabbed the book and I start reading it. And lo and behold, there is a mirror reflection in this main character in this book. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is me. And it's all about how she was just the life of the party and just trying to keep up. But she didn't realize that. She was addicted to at least a bottle of wine every night. And I was like, wow, this is definitely me. So at the end of the book, there was um, a buy-in to her 90-day sobriety coaching program, if you wanted to. And it was like a measly $199 or something. You know, I spent that on wine easily enough in a month's time, you know? So I'm like, okay. Or in a week's time. You know, (laughs) so at this point... um, it was at the point where my daughters were young adults, like in their late teens. And, you know, I felt like I was really just showing them that you need to have alcohol to have a good time. And I'm like, whoa, whether or not I'm a hot train wreck drunk or a good time drunk, I'm still showing them that alcohol has to be part of our life. So I decide I'm going to buy into this program, which I do. And it ends up becoming this huge spiritual awakening. This 90-day sobriety program has now turned into three and a half years. And to get back to your initial question, this is what afforded me the ability to finally write the book. So I had gone through this whole life of, you know, I didn't touch on the details, but you know, my book encompasses some, some really crazy beginnings. For example, it opens up with my three-year-old self and my father broke my leg. And I'm telling the story of how my father broke my leg. It tells the story of some horrible things that my mother did to us as children, some horrible things that we had to witness. And my whole life I had been, I don't want to say bottling up, but carrying these stories around with me, if you will. And now when I look back, I feel like maybe nine years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, that was really the beginning of my spiritual awakening. That was really where I started getting back in touch with little Jill and my inner faith. and I started recalling and remembering that when I was a child and I was going through all of these adverse things, I had a self-loyalty to myself. I had a little inner compass of you know my inner faith and it was time to get back in touch with that. And so I began writing the story. First and foremost, because I thought I was just extracting it, like things would feel a little less heavy if they weren't bottled up inside me and I could just get them out onto the paper. But I never in a million years thought that I was really writing the story for an audience to the point that I didn't even have any marketing or anything, a book launch, nothing set up. I'm just writing the book and I was going to self-publish it. Well, as as I got closer to the publishing, you know, of course I was doing t- some promoting to my close family members and my close friends. I wanted some people to buy my book and give right, me some right. feedback about it. I also knew that I was going to, you know, irritate a lot of family members um, by releasing the book. The book is out in my pen name, which is Margot Riley. I obviously did not do that for anonymity because I promote it, you know, as myself, Jill Krasinovich. But I did it as a respect, you know, just respect to those who are still alive, who are mentioned in the book. Um, But then when the book came out and people did start reading it, the feedback was just so amazing. Like people were like, oh my God, you have to share this. There are other people who need to hear this, you know, um, or people who were saying, oh my God, we had no idea that you lived this life. You know, this is crazy that you're able to talk about it and tell about it. This is what your mission is. This is what you need to do. And so that all, this became the past, the permission slip, if you will, for me to really say, okay, this is what happened. And guess what, guys, I still got to the other side of it and here's the tools I used and you can use some of these tools and it, it, it's turned more into a mission now.
0: That's awesome. And, and so, so, Folks, her website is actually justbeingjill.com. So justbeingjill.com. We'll, we'll have that URL in the show notes. Book is titled When, App, when the Apple Falls Far From This Tree by Mark, Margo Riley. Um, and where, where can they buy the book?
1: The book is available at amazon.com. So I encourage anybody to go there. You can also, if you go to my website, justbeingjill.com, there is a tab at the top that um says my book and it'll give you a little bit of information about it if you sign up for um my website just to be a subscriber to the website you can get chapter one for free to see if it's something that you're interested in and um on there there's also the tab where you can get it at barnes and noble amazon or you can buy it from Boa press directly yep okay so
0: there's there's no doubt a, a lady listening to this that is wondering okay I'll buy the book, um, how did how how they get in touch with you? Are you open to them reaching out to you in some manner to, to touch base?
1: Absolutely. Um, there is a sp- several spots on my website where you can reach out to me. You can also find me. Um, there is a Margo Riley author page on Facebook. I love when people reach out and want to share stories or ask questions. In fact, I encourage it. I did just finish a six month life coaching program. So in the near future, I'm hoping to have some containers or courses where I can connect with other people who, you know, definitely want to make some changes and make some pivots as well.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So again, that's just being Jill. It's the J and the I get a little confusing when you use all lowercase, but we'll, we'll clarify that. Now we'll also share your Facebook page uh, in, in the show notes if you're okay with us doing that, if they want to come and and sign up there. And, and folks, if you've listened before, you, you know that from time to time I start one of my uh, programs. That's an eight week program called lifestyle champion cohort. We use Zoom technology for the 90-minute weekly meetings. The first 30 minutes is teaching. There are three phases. Phase one is evaluate. Phase two is equip. And phase three, now that you've figured out how to be clean and sober or change those compulsive destructive behaviors, phase three is how do you enjoy? And so it's evaluate, equip, and enjoy. For more information, it's real simple. You can just text CHAMPION to 66866. It's CHAMPION to 66866. And as I mentioned before, there is a 21-point assessment on the front page of my website at randymortensen.com. And that will determine help you to determine whether your struggle is mild, moderate, or severe case. If you're mild or moderate, you're a good fit for this program. If you're a severe case of of whatever you're struggling with, then I've got a great network uh, globally that I'm happy to make some references for you. So, Jill as we've, we've got just five, six minutes left here, but I, I really, what, what's on your heart to share with that 30 year old mom that that's got a couple of beautiful daughters or a couple of beautiful kids. She came through some tough stuff herself. Um, maybe, you know, she's in a great, good marriage. I won't say great. Maybe she's in a good marriage where she struggled a little bit with, with some habits of the hubby, but let's forget about that part. Mm-hmm. What what would you say to that mom who's had a rough road? She's now got two kids. She's a little bit overwhelmed, wondering am I good enough to be a mom to these two kids? What would you say to really encourage that mom?
1: I say to her and to anybody really who is struggling to go deep and do the work. I think, you know, just hearing you talk about that program that you have together out there There's something out there for all of us. And there are so many people who have the same struggles. You have to find where your connection is. You know, for me, it was that little 90-day program at the end of the book. For my brother, it was the 12-step program to get him clean and sober. My father had the strength to just do it cold turkey without anybody. But there are so many others out there. And your means, your method, your connection, your group, your community. It's out there. You know, you have to go looking and you have to do a little bit of work to find it. But there's something out there that you can connect with that will give you the resources and the tools that you need to get to the other side. And most of the time, it's just knowing that there are, hey, there are other people out there going through the same thing and you just need to get your hands on the right tools to get you through it.
0: Yeah, those are good words. And I'd I'd like to say, too, it's you know, find other people that you know or trust, right? And and because you can say, I can say, we know how you feel, or I know how you feel. I used to feel exactly the same way. This is the pathway that God's taken me down, and here's who I am today. And mm-hmm. you know, it's that feel felt found. I know how you feel, felt the same way. Here's what I found. And and I don't know about you, but but my worst critic was me, right?
1: We are always our own worst critic.
0: (laughs) Right. So, so as to, to that, to that mom, don't believe the lies that Satan's whispering in your ear as you're looking at the mirror, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You've been created for, for a purpose. And, and so it's, it's, it's tough. It's so
1: cool to get you back to your authentic voice. And you're right. It's that, it's when that voice of the world takes over and we all, you know, we we all fall to that at some point but um especially when you're a mother and you're, you know, trying to manage your home and your job and your children and you know, uh my children are grown now but little kids little problems big kids big problems there's so much truth to that and so we really have to empower ourselves.
0: Yeah, being equipped is is imperative. There's no question about it. Folks, if if you if you're struggling today or you know somebody is struggling, or maybe one of your loved ones is is battling a compulsive destructive behavior, please don't wait another day to to reach out for help. As as Jill was saying, there there are many options available. If you're interested, you can reach out to my office number, which is three two one seven five seven Hope. That's three two one seven five seven Hope. Because those hundred and seven thousand plus people our husbands, wives, sons, and daughters are somebody who loves them. And, and, and that's a huge loss. So Jill, as, as we, as we wrap up, what would, what, how about that teacher that's maybe struggling a little bit with the pressures of having a room full of kids and psychologically, they're just not where they want to be. What would you say to encourage that elementary school teacher?
1: Well, again, it comes back to that self-care. And so I encourage them to do what they need to do for their own mental capacity, because you can't give what you don't have. But I think we as teachers have to remind ourselves way back to that beginning as to why we got into the profession in the first place. And if we go back to what that spark was initially we know that it's our duty and we know that we're making changes and we have to remember that there's one kid in that building that day that needs to see our smile or needs to hear our encouragement. That's our purpose, or at least a big part of it.
0: Wow. It's all about that one. It's all about that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, I hope you found this information helpful today. You can look for the replay to be available on the various online outlets for podcasts, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many others. I just want to close with a have a blessed day and be extraordinary today.